Hi, I'm Laura Marzi, the host of the Hartford's Line on Leave podcast, and this is where we discuss updates and trends in paid family and medical leave. As a leader in leave management, the Hartford understands the importance of this issue, absolutely too many of our employers and valued brokers. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Janice Malcolm Beaker, who's our assistant general counsel, as well as Megan Pistretto, who's director of product management. And we're going to discuss emerging PFML programs here in Connecticut, as well as Oregon. Thank you so much, both of you, for joining us. I guess you could say PFML programs in Connecticut and Oregon are still works in progress. Um, they were just signed into law by their governors this summer. So what do we know so far? And I'd like to start close to home with what Connecticut is doing, Megan. Oh, Laura, Connecticut. Yes, um, two words for you, brand new. There's still a lot of work that has to be done from the state's end, and we're keeping an eye on development as the pieces and as the regulations really come together. But what we do know um, for Connecticut as a program is that they are the seventh state actually to create a PFML program. Okay. Employees will start paying into it January 1st, 2021 but benefits actually won't begin until January 1st, 2022. So it's about one year of deductions that take place before okay. the program and the benefits really start. There will be private plan options available, but surety bonds are, will be required if the plan is self-insured. Uh, this is, like I said, brand new. So mm -hmm. the Connecticut PFML program was enacted in 2019. And again, regulations and processes are still being developed. So uh, we are keeping a close watch on that. But again, what we do know is that the program will expand the definition of family and reasons for leave under the state FMLA to larger number of employees as well. So again, that's a change to some of the existing legislation that Connecticut currently has. And there's also an opportunity for public and private partnerships to administer the program. Um, program oversight will be done by a newly created PFMLI authority. This authority will really drive a lot of the regulations and a lot of what we're going to be keeping an eye on. In terms of covered employers, so who actually has to um, have this law and, and abide by it are all private sector businesses with one or more employees, state municipalities and boards of education, but only for those employees that don't have a collective bargaining agreement unless negotiates inclusion in the program. Okay. So there may be some exceptions to that. Um, additional exceptions would include anybody that's self-employed or sole, sole proprietors. Um, they have the actual opportunity to opt in if they wish to actually elect to this program Got as it. well. Okay. And in terms of an employee eligibility, an employee must have earned at least $2,325 in highest earning quarter within first four of five most recent quarters. So it's a little bit confusing, but that's um, something that we can obviously help you with in terms of determining eligibility. Mm -hmm. And you must be employed for at least 12 weeks. Benefits for the program, there's up to 12 weeks for combined family or medical leave with an added two weeks for pregnancy complications. And it's one of the richest benefits in the nation with up to 95% of employees base weekly earnings uh, that's up to 40 times the state minimum wage. And what's happening in the state of Connecticut is that in conjunction with this program, the minimum wage is also increasing. So year over year, your maximum benefit will actually increase with the minimum wage. So in 2022, the maximum is $840. And by, by July 2023, the maximum will actually be $900 a week. Um, employees can take PFML, so the reasons for leave can be to bond with a new child through birth, adoption, or foster placement. 
care for a seriously ill family member, that's um, broadly defined as anyone related by blood or the equivalent of a family member. This is another trend we're seeing in the market or actually with the states is that um, they're really becoming, they're, they're giving this more broadly defined definition of family member, not just to include um, blood relatives, but somebody that's equivalent to a family member. And again, Connecticut's one of the first to do it, but it's definitely a trend that we're seeing. Um, recover from personal illness, injury, or pregnancy. Serve as an organ or bone marrow donor. This is also unique to Connecticut. And respond to military-related events or care for ill or injured service family members. And also address needs of family violence and victims. So again, Connecticut really not only has one of the richest benefits in the country, but it also has really one of the longest in terms of reasons for leave or the most lengthy in terms of what employees actually are eligible for. So um, great program. Again, we're keeping an eye on as things kind of emerge, um, but we love that our home state is uh, right there at the forefront with the rest of the nation. So a few weeks after Connecticut passed its bill, Oregon approved its program. So now we've got two new laws in rapid succession. And again, the employers who are impacted by these pieces of legislation should have a lot of time to prepare. Is that right, Janice? That's right, Laura. They should have a lot of time. And we know that employers are going to have a lot of questions as the program begins to develop. But there is almost three full years to prepare. Like Connecticut, Oregon still has to create the regulations that are ultimately going to implement the program. That will allow employees and employers to understand what the benefits require, all the details to be able to give this program teeth and height and breadth and depth. Okay. And so here's a little bit of uh, background information and some tidbits that will help our, our audience get a full understanding of this law. So there was some political background uh, going on at the same time as this paid family medical leave bill was being considered. The GOP senators didn't vote for a controversial climate change bill that was being considered at the same time as the paid family and medical leave bill. They left and returned just in time to pass this paid family and medical leave bill. And just as an aside, the climate change bill never passed. Okay. But it was in quick success, succession after the Connecticut law. So it's the eighth state to pass a paid family and medical leave program and the latest state. Both employees and employers are going to pay for the cost of the program. And the payroll contributions are going to begin in January, January 1st of 2022. And then benefits begin one full year later on January the 1st, 2023. And this program is considered one of the most generous in the nation of the eight. It in, in fact, lower income workers can make up to 100% of their pay, and that's really, wow. okay. really very generous. There is going to be a private plan option so that employers can opt out of the state, and private plan options can be, um, you know, some, something that the employers choose to self-fund or, or, or to fully insure. And the program oversight is going to be with the Oregon Employment Department. So I'm going to give you a little bit more detail. It covers almost all businesses and organizations, regardless of the size, as long as they're in the state. And self-employed individuals and sole proprietors or even tribal government employees can opt in. But federal employees are not uh, included. Those are definitely excluded. And to be eligible... Um, you have to be an employee of a covered employer 
and your benefits are calculated from the base earnings, and that's determined from four of the last five calendar quarters. That's, that's what we call the base year. And employees must have earned at least $1,000 during that base year. Okay. So eligible employees are going to be able to get up to 12 weeks for combined family leave and medical leave. And they'll be able to get up to 100% wage replacement um, if they make uh, 65% or less of the state average weekly wage. So that, that's how the generosity of this program um, shows its face. And for those making more, the benefit percentage is 65% of the state average weekly wage plus 50% of an employee's average weekly wage, and that's over 65. So it's a little bit confusing, but it can be up to $1,253 per week based on the current state average weekly wage. Okay, and I think I get it. Thanks, yeah. Okay. Um, now, employees can take this leave can take paid family and medical leave to bond with a new child within the first year of either birth or adoption or foster placement. They can take this leave to care for their own serious health conditions or to care for a seriously ill family mem member. And as Megan said, those are broader definitions than they used to be. Um, anyone related by blood or the equivalent of a family member. And also to seek legal or medical help from a, a domestic violence incident or harassment, sexual assault, or stalking under the safe, safe leave law. So again, it's quite rich. Um, we will stay tuned for the state to implement uh, regulations to help employers begin to prepare, but that's, that's a quick hit right now, Laura. Wow. Okay. So, um, Janice, both you and Megan have described what you've portrayed as some of the most generous benefits programs in the nation. The question I've got at this point is, who's, who's paying for it? Megan, can you help us start to understand that? Laura, great question. Um, as we had said, they are the most generous benefits, and people are really excited about the paid leave programs that their states are, are implementing. But the next big question then does become who's actually paying for these programs. And it seems most of the burden will fall on employees through payroll deductions. Employers in Connecticut, however, have the option to contribute. For Oregon employers, there is no option. They must contribute, although they have a small share than their employees do. So again, for Connecticut, employees contribute a half of a percent of earnings not to exceed Social Security maximum, which in 2019 is about $132,900. And employers are not required to contribute, but may choose to pay all or some of the premium. Connecticut is actually a little bit of an outlier in this regard. Um, most of the other states actually do require some, sort, uh, some form of employer contribution whereas Connecticut, as we just said, is employee contrib only. For Oregon, um, the payroll contributions will be shared by employers and employees, except for employers with fewer than 25 workers. They do not have to contribute. So for those small businesses, they're not mandating that employers have to mm -hmm. contribute for the program. The rate cannot exceed 1% of employees' wages, again, up to Social Security maximum, which again, in 2019, is that $132,900. What the contribution breakdown really equates to is that employers are going to have to be responsible for about 40% of the premium or the deduction, and employees are responsible for about 60%. 
employers though can choose to pay all or part of the employee portion as well. So if mm -hmm. they choose to pay for the program on behalf of their employees, that is allowed. So we know that regulations and more details are being developed, got that, but what do we know so far about opportunities for private plans? Janice, could you help us understand that a little bit more? Sure, Laura. Um, and you're right, there are a lot of details that we don't yet know that are yet to be developed. But what we do know is that there is a private plan option for both states. And like the other states that allow private plans, employers do need to get state approval first. There are some similarities in Connecticut and Oregon that we can point to. In both states, employers have to meet or exceed the state requirement okay. to be able to have a private plan. That's one. There, there can't be a cost to employees that is more than the state plan. Right? So the cost to employees can't be more than the state plan cost. The private plan has to be extended to all employees of the business. You can't, you can't split it, all, all employees. And employees covered under the private plan don't have to contribute to the state plan. I mean, that would be um, uh, an obvious understanding. And then employers can choose to pay for all or part of the premium as sort of an employee benefit on the employee's behalf. There are some differences in these two states um, from the other states that, that do have PFML programs. Some differences from the other states is that in Oregon and Connecticut, it doesn't seem to be an option to split the plans as is available in other states like Massachusetts, for example. Meaning the employer's plan, the private plan, it's going to have to offer both paid medical leave and paid family leave. Employers don't seem to have the option to split the two. So with so many details still outstanding and deadlines a few years away, what should our audience be thinking about in, in terms of what's next? What should they really be prioritizing right now? What do you think, Megan? Of course. So, I mean, first and foremost, um, we know that the days are long, but the years are short. So even yeah. though um, it, it feels like it's a long time away, these, uh, these come very quickly. So employers really should be starting to think about mm -hmm. how this is going to impact the benefits um, that they currently offer today. But again, the Hartford is, is, is staying on top of this, um, all of the developments in both the states, and we'll continue to communicate with our customers and brokers as things progress. We'll certainly keep everyone in the loop. Um, but what we, the Hartford, can do to help today is, again, this is a brand new law. We'll continue to monitor all the developments. We'll update employers and broker communities with the latest info. And as more states consider adding PFML, you can stay updated on Connecticut, Oregon, and the rest by visiting our PFML resource page at thehartford.com backslash PFML. Well, thank you, Janice. Thank you, Megan. This has been a great conversation with a lot of helpful information. I appreciate your insights. And I also want to thank our listeners for your time as well. You can find this episode along with other Line on Leave podcasts, as well as additional resources on this extremely important topic at the Hartford's Paid Family and Medical Leave Resource Center. And again, the web address for that is www.thehartford.com backslash PFML. Thanks for listening.